0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Red Blacks Unfiltered. I am your host, Jacob Kelly. And before we jump into today's conversation with Avery Ellis, there's a couple things that we need to go over first. Number one, if you enjoyed today's podcast, please consider leaving a rating and a review. The more positive ratings and reviews we get, the more it helps new people find this show. And if you're one of those people that have recently found this podcast, thank you so much for checking it out. Make sure you subscribe and stay tuned for future episodes. We drop new episodes every single Monday at noon. And now, without further ado, I present to you, Avery Ellis, Unfiltered. Avery Ellis, welcome to Red Black's Unfiltered. How are you doing today? I am doing great. Thanks for having me. My pleasure, man. I'm excited to have you here on the podcast. And where I want to start, I want to go all the way back. I want to go to Newark. You're from Newark, New Jersey originally, correct? Correct, correct. And so talk, so talk to me about like growing up, like what kind of kid were you? What was life like in Newark?
1: Uh, life in Newark, well, um, I grew up in the household with, it was my grandmother, my mother, my aunt, my uncle, uh, my cousins, and my great-grandmother. So it was a lot of us and in, went in, in home. And um, to keep me busy, my mom placed me in martial arts. So I think at the age of, I want to say between seven or between seven and nine, I started uh, mudukwan, which is a Korean style of karate. And I I did that for most of my childhood. And I also, uh, I played basketball. So I was a part of a, a bunch of rec leagues and, and my middle school and elementary school um, basketball teams. But besides that, just the normal kid life, uh, I guess, where technology boom didn't really take place yet. I was, I was still going outside and, and you know, riding, riding my bikes and getting some cool scars.
0: Mm-hmm. What position were you in basketball? Um,
1: I was a point guard. But then as I started to get older, I, I started to watch a lot of Michael Jordan and I wanted to become a shooting guard. But... Uh, I didn't have the best jump shot in the world, so they kind of moved me to small forward. And uh, it was a time I told my dad I wanted to be a professional vas- a basketball player, and he looked at me. He said, "Son, I'm only six one, and I don't know how many small fours or power fours that are between six one and six two. So I think you might want to start playing football." <laughs>
0: interesting so when you started playing football that was your was that your first year of high school then that you started playing football yeah
1: yeah it was my first year of high school um I wasn't going to do it uh I thought basketball was everything to me at the time and I really really wanted to go to the NBA right that was you know dream as a kid but um listening to my dad and my stepdad I went out there I knew nothing about the game I mean I I knew how to play, but as far as what position I wanted to play, I had no idea. So the best thing I did, I was like, I'm going to be a receiver. They look pretty cool. They catch the ball. They score touchdowns. Like, might as well. Either that or or QB. And realizing I didn't have the arm for QB or I wasn't a really good receiver either. I didn't have the hands for that. Kind of made me a, a defensive end
0: shortly after. I saw somewhere you played a little bit of tight end in high school, though, didn't you?
1: Yeah, I played a little. Uh not, not not much. They they brought me in for certain packages, but I did have one touchdown <laughs> in my career.
0: Can you tell me about that play? Like how did it happen?
1: Yeah, so uh we were playing, I believe it was Seton Hall Prep in New Jersey. And this game, I'm having a outstanding game on defense. I think before the half I had close to maybe like 10 plus tackles. And we go into the locker room. It's the second half. And they call, I think one of our Titans got hurt, right? The original Titan got hurt. So I come in. And it was this route concept that is like an a option route. And we ran it in practice a couple times. So I, I, I love this play. I knew that I would always be open. So at the time, my quarterback was Nate. And he, he kind of just looked at me before the play. And I was like, kind of nervous. I was like, oh, man, my time is coming. I have to score. So, <laughs> so I could get out there. We run the play. The field is muddy. It's, it, I, I think they didn't cut the grass on purpose. <laughs> and, and I run the the option route. I catch the ball, and the only thing I see is the end zone. However, what I do remember is they, they had this uh, all-state, uh, I think, 100-meter runner as their safety. And he was pretty fast. <laughs> so I was like, all I have to do is outrun him. If it's, if he could catch me on an the angle, then it's over. Like, I would never score a touchdown again. So he he kind of lo- looked at me, and I, I threw a fake stiff arm just to slow him down because he definitely had the angle on me and uh ended up diving, and the ball barely crossed the pylon. But that's the way I scored my first touchdown.
0: That's awesome. And speaking <laughs> of... Speaking of track and field, you mentioned that you weren't a good, like you didn't have the arm to be a quarterback. But if I'm not mistaken, you were a pretty high-level javelin thrower in high school, weren't you? Yeah, yeah.
1: I, I threw the javelin. Um, I made it. I think I believe I made it to to States. And uh, I didn't have the best form. The way I was throwing the, the javelin, it was pure muscle. Like I would run down and just just chuck it. It, it it got me pretty far I was pretty surprised but once I, I practiced a bit I got some form down then I started to get better and better but the javelin it was something I just fell upon um I think I was running the 200 in a dual race during spring track and they needed people to throw the javelin just so our school could gain more points to win the race and I was like well, okay I'll do it no biggie and I was like well this seems. P- pretty fun. If I could do this instead of running the, the four by four, I'm, I'm I'm down to do that. <laughs>
0: Fair. And then, so your school was was Montclair, and if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, that's a pretty like prestigious football school, right?
1: Yeah, it's the I want to say the most winning, um, football uh school in in New Jersey public school. If
0: i'm Not mistaken, really. Yeah, okay. and most, it's
1: like most state championships in their group.
0: And so, like, as when you were 14 and you were playing football for the first time When you first strap on the pads, like, how daunting was it for you to be trying out for Montclair as some as like such a prestigious football school as someone that's never really played organized football before?
1: Honestly, I I, I had little knowledge about their prestige. It was a new town <laughs> to me. It was a new school. And I was and I was a basketball junkie. And that's all. That's, that's all I knew. And going there, I'm I'm seeing college scouts come and I'm like wow I don't why 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 are they even here why are they watching these kids and I was lucky enough I had someone um his name is Khalif Herbin he lived across the street from me and he was my quarterback and he uh was the New Jersey State player of the year and he kind of gave me the the intel like listen bro if you really want to be good and you work hard I believe that you could you could play here and you know you could end up going to college to play football. And I'm like, for real, man, I'm still a basketball player, man. I don't think I'm going to do it. And the more I start to hang out with him, the more I fell in love with uh, football. So that's just where all my knowledge came from. It was pretty much through him.
0: And did you guys experience success at Montclair? Like, were there any state championships for you guys while you were there or anything? Oh, wow, well, no. Well, there, there
1: was not. We went to back-to-back state championships, right? Uh, our, our first one. We uh, lost, then our second one, we faced a team uh, called North Bergen. And there, uh, it was a close game. And as I said before, Khalif Urban, he was the New Jersey State player of the year at the time. I think he he fractured his foot mid-game. And he was like our offense at the time, right? He he scored the most points, had, had, had the most yards. He was our offense. But we had a pretty solid defense as well. But after he left, um we had a chance to win win the game. I believe the game was it was up by one or so, and we ran a blitz a mike blitz i want to say it was like a cover two or cover three, and they threw a hell Mary last second of the game, and their receiver caught the touchdown in the corner of the end zone having them winning winning the state championship and after that game it was it was over that was the last time but the funny part about the story, I think that they voided that 2011 year state championship because they had illegal players, um, and so like recruiting players to play for that for, for that school. So it was kind of a a downing moment for us, knowing that we could have won in the way that we lost, but
0: also they 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 uh somewhat cheated. Man, that's tough, but like. <laughs> with being at such like a prestigious school and going to multiple state championship games how how popular were your games was like friday night lights like from up here in canada obviously it's completely different down in the states like was you playing in front of thousands of people even in high school
1: yeah yeah uh thousands i think uh one of the biggest games we had was montclair versus east orange and both schools had we had some pretty high recruit players and I I remember us putting additional bleachers for, for for this game. And I wanna say the game maxed out between four and six thousand. It it was so crowded that they stopped letting entry. They they didn't let anyone enter the game anymore. I think that was probably my first experience of of like a, a large crowd. That's wild.
0: It must have been a fun game though
1: yeah we won we won it was our first time beating them in a while in a couple of years so it was definitely uh, something to be proud of
0: and when did be going to play college football really become like a reality obviously before you even started around 14 you thought you were still going the basketball route how long was it of you playing football before you realized oh man like I actually could go and play college football um,
1: I, I think it hit me when my head coach John Fiori he he pulled me into his office and he said, um, uh, Coach Al Golden and Coach Dinafrio from, they were at Miami, the U at the time. They're here to see you and they wanted to uh, recruit you. And I was in disbelief. I'm like, Who, me? I'm like, well, No, no, no. There's like another Avery. It, it, it can't be me. It's only my second year. or yeah, my Going into my third year playing football. I was like, He's like, Yeah. And he's he looking at me like, Why are you in such disbelief why you why why you look so confused. I'm like, well, I don't think I'm that good yet. And so clearly at the time I didn't have the confidence or the belief in myself that I could do such a thing. But they that they were there and he seen me and I was like, man, from here on I'm going to Miami. <laughs> like this is the school <laughs> I'm, I'm going to. But um that didn't work out. But it was that point I knew I was good enough to play at the next level.
0: And then, like how many other schools ended up speaking to you before you committed to temple?
1: um it was between that summer and the rest of that that school year. a lot of schools came in, uh, many didn't pull the trigger um, and then I end up before my before going to my senior year, I went to a camp a temple football camp, and funny matt rule he Took me the head coach for the Panthers. Now he 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 took me through a workout, like a, a personal linebacker workout, and I swear it, it, it was probably one of the the hardest workouts I ever been through at the time. I I felt like I was going to cough up along, but <laughs> but I, I did everything I could, and I definitely showed grit. And I believe he he's seen that. And Coach Adazio was the head coach at Temple, and right then and there they they offered me a scholarship. And I, I kind of loved how Matt Rue did that. And he kind of pushed me to my limits where I didn't think I could go, at least during a workout. And I, I knew that if I could be pushed to, to, that, to, to that limit consistently, that I could definitely uh, be a great player. And that kind of propelled me to make my decision and commit right then and there. Oh, you com- did you commit on the spot? on a spot on a spot and other schools came in Villanova came in I believe uh Minnesota wanted to talk and UMass came in but I, I was committed to Temple
0: that's awesome and did you do like was there a signing day or anything that you did did you announce it anywhere like was there any special thing that you did to announce you're going to Temple
1: oh yeah for sure uh it was actually three of my uh football teammates um Khalif Herman, who I said he was the New Jersey player of, of the year at the time. Um, he was going as a special teams player. And Stefan Marshall. Um, and we all, like, ironically, we all lived on the same block. And we all committed to Temple within that the same two-month uh, time span. And we had a uh, signing day party with a couple of my other teammates who also went to, I believe, uh, Julian. He went to Rutgers. And Rashawn, who went to Delaware State. And they had, you know, the news there and our parents and some of our classmates. So it was kind of cool. You get pulled from class to be acknowledged and uh, to sign or, you know, the official signing. You, you signed that that morning. They hold a press conference in the afternoon. It was cool. It was the first time uh, I got to skip school. And we all just went and, like, grabbed pancakes at, like, the most – the, uh, the uh, nearest diner.
0: <laughs> so – yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So like having a couple of friends you grew up with from the same block playing on the same team must have made the transition to college a little bit easier for you then, no? Having a couple friends go with you?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh obviously we became roommates. Um right after we signed, we, we told the coach that we wanted to become roommates, we wanted to stay together. It made it easy because those those first those first couple years, uh, it was pretty tough just Understanding the, 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 the schedule and what you have to go through, the mental toughness and being the most organized you might have to be uh, from that transition going into, from high school to college and balancing football and schoolwork at the same time. So having people to, to know you, people to vent to, it really helps you and have someone to lean on as well.
0: What does that schedule look like? like can you run me through like what an average day would look like?
1: during the season it would be um if you used out I'll I will i will have to get treatment so I'll be there pretty early and I let's say I wake up around five fifteen, be there by five forty five for treatment. Um meetings started around six forty five. forty-five. We're in, we're in meetings for a while, then you might have a, a short lift, then you uh be head to practice and we would practice and probably head back into meetings, like short meetings for like 20, 30 minutes until maybe 1 o'clock or 12.30 or so until guys have class. And basically you would have between block classes or three to four classes in a day. And you'd be done maybe around 6. And at 6, you go to what we call training tables where the team go. We all go there together and we eat dinner. After that, we head to study hall until um probably three or four hours. So let's say you get done eating around seven, you're in study hall, maybe to around nine. And then a lot of guys, including myself, we would head back to the to the the uh facility. It would always be open. And we would be there to maybe I wanna say ten, ten fifteen, just watching extra film. And then um the process repeats the next day. That's a typical day in our season, now for the off-season, it would be uh, similar, but you have a little bit more free time because there's not as many meetings, but you you probably wake up around a bit early, actually. I want to say 4.50 I'll wake up just to get my mind right because those off-season workouts were hard, very hard. It, it It made you go home and sit down and, and consider that, do I really want to play this game? Is this game really for me? But but it definitely builds character and um the workout may start like around five thirty and we finish around ten and then you go and do like another lift and then you may be done around eleven, eleven thirty. So you now have like a block of two hours of free time which you, if you might want to grab some more food, which we typically did, or um study hall or class and the schedule will repeat and you have class maybe till five or six and then training table and then dinner. But during that time you, you weren't going back late night to watch film because it was the off season. So I, I, our days be done around nine o'clock.
0: What is, so you said you start your work at a five and finish around 10 before you have another lift. What does that four and a half hour workout look like?
1: Well, uh, <sighs> Yeah, it's called mat drills. So mat drills is uh they they take us into the indoor if it wasn't too bad outside too much snow, and it would be about four to six stations. One station would be sled pushes. The next station would be the mat drill station, which is a change of direction. Right, so you have to follow it's like a call and response if the coach points his finger to the left you must slide to the left either shuffle crossover step or roll all right whatever he commands you have to do it and the objective of the drill is to have everyone complete the mat drill the the coach's direction in sync and you can't cross the line so after after you let's say if you if it's if it's to shuffle you would jump out You'll be in a, in a athletic stance. And if he points left, you shuffle left. He points right, you shuffle right, Back, backwards and forwards, right? And then he will break you. After you break, you have to run to a line as fast as you can. However, if your feet goes over the line, you have to run back. And you start all over again. So you could imagine if you're in line with you know, an old lineman who isn't in the best shape at that time. And he it's not in sync with everyone else and you you can find yourself there for a good 30 minutes on one drill.
0: <laughs> That's crazy.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. But, uh, uh, but yeah, besides that, it was like sled pushes. It was, um, other change of direction drills, but that was the, the gist of it.
0: It's crazy to think that you're doing all of this while still like still in school and focused having focused on your schoolwork and I want to ask too, you majored in adult organized development. I was curious what that is and why you chose that as your major
1: Oh yeah, well, it definitely wasn't my first choice I think my, my well my first choice was kinesiology, and I'm like, yeah, I want to be a trainer, but then you know your first couple of years, you're like, ah, I'm not sure if I want to do this. Now switch from that to advertising, and then I wanted to do something that dealt with psych, and I knew adult organization and development was the closest thing that I could get to psych without actually taking psych classes because it, it, interfer- it interfered with my uh, football schedule, and it's a, uh, is be- I have the ability to. Understand the basic principles of psych, but also can teach others that are adults because it's in the field of education. So I use I, I use this degree to it was to propel me in grad school because in grad school I now study sports business and I wanted to to have the idea if, if I'm going to deal with administration, ed- education, and adult organization development would be the best path for me to get there.
0: And through adult organization development, you spent some time interning at a school or something, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I was interning at um, the Delaware Christian School, it's in Philadelphia, and I was under a athletic director um, named Mike, and the uh, only thing I did was to shadow him and see what life was like as a athletic director, because that was my, my backup after football. So I, I figure if I could understand how he does it at this level and understand how uh, Mr. Crafter does it at Temple U- University, then I could have a feel for it and also grow some connections.
0: Mm-hmm. And then you said after your postgraduate was sports business, right? And you ended up mastering in sports biz, if I'm not mistaken? Yes.
1: Yes. Well, I have a few classes left um, currently on hold, uh, mainly due to coronavirus, but um yeah so I I am um, it's sports business um a masters and it's a concentration in administration.
0: Okay and so so why are you still focusing on getting your masters while playing football at a professional level? Like why is that still something that's important to you to finish?
1: Well everything has a timeline and knowing football isn't going to last forever. As much as I would love to play football until I'm 45, uh, it's it's not practical at all but I would love it if possible. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I know that I would have to start another life enter another realm. And I, I believe that's, and I don't want to detach myself from athletics completely. And I feel like that's the closest way I could get into the athletic field besides being a coach.
0: That's awesome, dude. I was just curious as to why you're still doing it. I think that's a good reason, man. It's smart. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. But, no, no worries. And when I want to get more so onto the football side of playing at Temple, I believe if I'm not like your first couple of seasons that you mentioned were tough. Of course, just the transition going from high school to college is tough. But you only won two games. I believe it was your first or second season, right? Yeah, yeah. So how, how was it? How was that hard for as a player going from a prestigious school like Montclair to Temple to struggling to win games? Like how hard was that on you as a player?
1: Ah, uh, it was hard because it was nothing I ever. I've never experienced before at Montclair. The The norm was winning. We always won. Um, if we didn't win, it, it, it wasn't even talked about. Like, we only talked of winning, right? Because losing wasn't an option. And my first year at Temple, I was fortunate enough to not get redshirted. And I played immediately as a freshman. But during that year, we only won four games. And I'm playing. And I was happy to play as a freshman. But those games, like, I, my, my passion for the game started to change. And I started to realize how hard it is to win football games at the next level. Because in, in, in high school, you don't realize how hard it is. You guys, we, we may have good athletes. And so what happened, our athletes will be better than the team that we're playing just because of school that I'm at. However, the next level, everyone is good. Everyone's fast. Everyone's strong. And this is a progression you see as you become a pro and so on and so forth. So I was like, wow, this is this is proven to me like you have to put the time, the effort, and make the necessary sacrifices in order to win games. So after my first year of winning four games, I I started to work out a lot and try to put as much time and effort into film study and, and nutrition, getting my body right for my sophomore year. But unfortunately, my sophomore year, the year that I went 2-10, I suffered uh, a fracture in in my lower back, which which sort of uh, put a hold on my football career. It was at that point I wasn't sure if I was going to play football again. Um, I met with many specialists, and and they kind of told me that it's kind of my choice. Um, This is a feeling that will reoccur. And when it does, it's it's up to you if you could handle the pain management, but it's not gonna completely enable me from playing football. And I think that year, I mean, I was probably nineteen. I had to make one of the hardest choices either I could stop, and Coach Rule he was gonna honor my scholarship no matter what, but I could have stopped playing and entered coaching and went on from there, or I could have just kept playing. And I, I just decided to take the year just to recover, not get the surgery. Um, Regarding the surgery, um, it was the night before I was supposed to go in, and I got a phone call from the doctor around 11 o'clock that night, and he called me with concern saying, I don't don't think you should go along with the surgery. Um, You're too young. And this is something that you normally see in people who are older. And at the time, I was like, well, I want to play football. If this is the best option for me, maybe I should do it. So the next day, he called. Um, he called me into his office, um, along with coach Rue. I had athletic trainer, my mom, and my dad, and he told me that this is something I shouldn't do. I should wait. And I'm 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 so thankful that he did that. I'm so thankful that he told me to wait because I'm not sure if I would have got the surgery if I'll still be playing football to this day.
0: Wow, that's wild. And then so, talk to me about your comeback then for your junior year.
1: Oh yeah, my comeback my junior year. Um, I entered camp with a different mindset. I think anytime you, you, you enter something with pure gratitude, uh, just being thankful to, to play the game and knowing that in any, any snap or any play could be your last, you have a different outlook, right? You don't take too many things for granted. You understand that those hard days, those long runs, those sacrifices that you make are all worth it. And at that point, um, I came into camp with, like, a clear mind, not not worried about the other person, but solely worried about me and what I can accomplish. And by doing that, I entered my junior year with um, that camp. I, I came out a, a starter, and I was somewhat surprised, but I knew that the work I put in it was beneficial for that to happen. And the first game we had was against Vanderbilt, and that game – I uh, I came off with two sacks and a forced fumble and a handful of tackles and that's the way I started my junior year so I think it was uh it was great for me it was fun mm-hmm. definitely eye-opening. no kidding
0: and was it was it your junior year or your senior year where you blocked a punt I saw a photo somewhere when I was preparing for this and it was you it was like the ball literally hitting your hands as you reached up to block the punt or a field goal I can't remember which one.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. It was my uh, senior year. So my senior year, I transitioned to uh, like uh, a good special teams player. And uh, I was on every special teams. I was playing pretty pretty well. However, we had a guy. He plays for the Titans now, uh, Sharif Finch. And he was the guy who will always blocked punts. He was, he was just really good at it. And it was funny because he had this a similar story to me. He was supposed to go to Miami, but he ended up committed to Temple. And I was his mentor for his first year. They always did. They always matched up an older classmate with an incoming freshman. And I saw, like, a lot of similarities in between me and him. But he's a, I always thought he was a way better athlete than me. And he was always good at blocking punts. But one week he had got hurt. And they, they put me in that position to block a punt. So I asked him, like, hey, man, um, I'm trying to fall under your tutelage so I could block some punts. He was like, all right, sure. All you have to do is – I can't you know, tell you the trick now. Somebody might not take it, but he told me the trick. I'm like, all right, cool. I'm going to do it. And so it happened. I did it, and it worked, and it happened to be a pivotal play to help us win the game. But the, the crazy part about it is the following week, I did it again. <laughs> 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 this thing works.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, and you mentioned that- there- Sorry, you mentioned that you switched to a special teams player. Why did you make that switch for your senior year?
1: Well, my senior year, we had a lot of guys. We had a lot of defensive ends. Um, There's actually a a pitcher out there. Um, Everyone in our. Defensive line class, I want to say, in that 2015, that 2015 D-line, for Temple university, everyone went to go play pro football. So snaps were hard to come by. At any given week, anyone was able to start. And I wanted to be a competitor, and I wanted to be on the field as much as possible. So if I wasn't getting as many snaps as a defensive end, I thought I could make an impact playing special teams. and. That's how it
0: happened. That's awesome. And then, so two, like as you mentioned, there, season one, four wins, season two, two wins, but by your fourth season, you guys went on to win the AAC, AAC championship. What was the switch that led from you guys going from a four win season, a two win season to champions? Like, was it just guys getting older? Or was it like a mentality shift amongst the team? uh
1: I think it was a combination of a bunch of things. Um, first, uh, it was guys definitely maturing getting sick and tired of losing after you go through a couple of years of losing that leaves a sour taste in your mouth and you understand that you don't want to go through that again because after you you lost the the morale is down the camaraderie isn't the same so it was maturity uh, excuse me maturity was definitely a part of it the next part Uh, it was our coaches getting sick and tired of losing. So they made our off season probably some of the hardest things that we ever went through. So those workouts that was lasting hours, two hours, three hours were, were harder, were harder. We had drills where almost seemed impossible, but we completed it. And once you get that sense of something is impossible, but I'm still able to push through by being mentally tough, winning a game becomes a bit easier. And I, I feel like that's a an application you could plot you could apply anywhere into your life that the understanding that going through the necessary hardships and necessary sacrifices, it makes the outcome so much better.
0: Mm-hmm. And one thing too that I noticed, I saw some of the you guys did during that championship run is during warm up you did the bull in the ring drill. Is that true?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, it wasn't just during warm ups. We did it. We did that every single day. We we had practice as long as we, that, as long as we had pads on. We was going to, uh, to do it. It's called the Oklahoma drill. We call it o- 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 the Oklahoma drill. So anytime we had pads on, it could be a Monday six six a.m before warm-ups or shortly after warm ups, that was the first drill we did just to, you know, show that that's, this is our DNA. This is our personality. And we
0: came here for a battle. So- it's like, I'm assuming and that, like, translating that onto the field, then you guys must've been a pretty physical team to play against, right? Oh, 100%. Uh, uh,
1: physicality was, was one of, was one of our, our core values and we, we we prided ourselves on being physical that that was like our main pride. you could be a better team to us than us but you would not be more physical than us
0: and talk to me about that run then all the way to the aac championships where you guys ultimately won like talk to me about that whole stretch from the first playoff game to winning it all
1: oh wow so that stretch i believe our first game was against army and we lost that game um I remember that game I, I was playing I out, and I had a, uh, a, like a TFL and a, a forced fumble. And, I, and the only guy I could really remember from that game was like, I, I had a chance to pick up that forced fumble, but I wasn't a, I wasn't able to. And maybe that could have changed the game. So anytime games like that happen, you think of everything that you could have done, right? And everything that went wrong. But I think that loss kind of gelled us together. It was like, we, we cannot lose again and game after game guys were locked in it came to the point where you have seen guys after study hall after getting their, their their work done we was in the film room sometimes to 11 12 o'clock at night until the coaches had to come in it was like listen guys you got to go home you got to get some sleep tomorrow tomorrow is here so um guys were were fanatics just about winning about knowing our opponent about being the best team out there, and um, that 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 pretty much led us, gave us a work ethic and a mindset into winning that that championship game. Because we did lose the the year before we got there, we lost to Houston. But the next year, we, we vowed that we we weren't going to lose again.
0: And who'd you play in the final in that second year then, when you won? Navy, Navy. Mm-hmm. And, like, talk to me about that game, then, when you won. Like, what – did you make any big plays, or do you just – do you even remember anything, or is the whole game kind of a blur? Like, how was that championship game itself? Uh, the
1: championship game uh, – it is somewhat of a blur. I remember me being so hyped, so am- so animated. that I, All I wanted to do was, like, run through a brick wall for that game. And um, I had a couple of during during that game, and I remember – he was the first-round pick to Arizona Cardinals, I uh, believe, in 2017, 16, 17. And Hassan Reddick, and it was like one of the, the final plays, and they had a chance to score. He and He was playing defensively at the time as well. He caught the game winning pick. And I think that was like the moment that just like sticks in my head. I was like, oh, that's it. We did it. We did it. All that work paid off.
0: We finally won. It was the first, first time Temple had won since sixty seven, right? Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. And I know too, you were a part of like the the temple media tour after, right? Like when you guys went around and did all the TV spots with the trophy. I'm pretty sure you were a part of that, right? Like you went and did a lot of on air stuff after that. Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh um, I can believe the first first air thing we did was um on it was Fox News. And it was me and well it was Hassan Reddick and I and we and we went there just just to talk just to talk uh about, you know, winning for the first time in years and how we was like the first class the year before to beat Penn State and we was ranked and we got college game day to come to Temple and we almost pulled that game off against Notre Dame. But like it's kinda of funny, just like how we lost well how I, I lost in in high school, I lost the playing way to Notre Dame during college game day, so <laughs> that, that was pretty pretty fun.
0: yeah and, then, and probably like one of the coolest experiences for you guys of that the media tour was when you went on ESPN you guys surprised Kevin Nagandi with a trophy because he's a temple alum
1: yeah uh, Kevin, he's great dude, great dude, and um he had no idea who was coming, and our our media guy, rich at the time he 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 called a couple of us. He was like, listen, we're going to leave here around four in the morning and we're going to go to Connecticut and we're going to surprise Kevin with the trophy. You know, he was like, what? Uh, you sure? He was like, yeah, everything's clear. Just make sure you're here at 4 a.m. So it was like, all right. I'm with a- Avery Williams. I'm with Hassan Reddick. And I was like, all right, well, let's, let's, let's do it. Let's go. We went and. um it's my first time being in the, in the ESPN studio. I am just looking around like, "Wow, this is what it's like." Starstruck, honestly, at, at the time. And then you finally get it's live, so we, we we live on TV. I was like, I don't know what to say anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I kind of froze. Like I don't know what to say. We had everything planned. Like Hassan was supposed to come in and tackle Kevin, and we give him a hat, and you know the championship had the shirt, and had, let him hold the trophy. And go, and go from there. But I guess he made us feel extremely comfortable. Once we got got, got on stage and he started to talk to us and it felt like a, a normal conversation after that. But oh, that's yeah, super that's cool. the point for sure.
0: And so after, so after that, you guys also, you went on, you played in a bowl game after, right? But Coach Rule ended up, he left the program right before the bowl game, right? So between you guys winning the championship and the bowl game, you lost your head coach, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah, he
1: ended up going to Baylor. And uh, Coach Foley ended up taking over, and we played Wake Forest in a bowl game. Yeah, it was a military bowl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It didn't. End, it didn't end, end too well. We ended up. Uh, we, we didn't do too well that game.
0: <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. And then when at when and during your point at Temple, did you realize that professional football was a serious possibility? <laughs> it's. good
1: I think it still wasn't a true possibility because I was I was still feeling the aches and pains from my lower back injury, and I knew that the game would only get faster, it would only get harder, and um, I didn't have that many agents calling or that many teams looking. But you don't really know during, during during that process. That that process can become a bit of bit of confusing because you don't know what's coming next. So that time I started to. I immediately entered the master's program. And I was like, yeah, well, I think I'm, I'm done playing football. But there was a part of me that was like, are you really done playing football? Do you think that you exerted everything that you possibly can? I was like, uh, I'm not sure. So during the time, uh, I was a couple classes in in grad school. And the, the VP of the school was like, listen, Grad school is going to be here after you're done. You have one opportunity to play football. Go ahead and do pro day. And I was still working out, but I wasn't working out as someone should have been for pro day, but I I, I put in a lot of work during that time just because I had more free time. So I was working out a ton. And I made the decision like, well, I have nothing to lose. I'm, I'm going into pro day and I did it. And surprisingly I did it well. I did, I did a lot better than I, I ever imagined. I was like, maybe that's what I needed, Uh, take some pressure off. Because that definitely took a lot of pressure off me. And anytime you may have some pressure, you could tense up. And I, I went in there fully relaxed and had a really a really good pro day. And uh, it kind of led me to be in Ottawa now.
0: Yeah, no kidding. And so you entered the NFL draft, and then shortly after going on draft is when you signed with Ottawa, right?
1: Correct correct yeah i had some teams they, they they were calling but none had that much interest in ottawa they, they were consistent and it was like listen we really like your film once you come up just give it a try and uh, same thing before i so said i had nothing to lose and everything to gain so anytime we start from that point you know the sky's the limit
0: <laughs> and what did you know about the cfl when you first came up here
1: uh not too much. Uh, I knew of Warren Moon, right? I knew of Doug Flute. Um I didn't know too much about the CFL. But what I did know, uh, I knew I had a Temple alumni up here. So I, I figured if anything goes wrong, I could always call Henry Burris. I was like, listen, if if I don't know what's going on, I could call on him and I could, you know, he could help me out in some way. So I wasn't too, too uh, nervous about that.
0: Did you speak to him at all before making the decision or after you made the decision? Was he someone that you called at all or what is your relationship like with Hank now?
1: Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, Hank is someone who I I definitely speak to now. Um, During my decision, I didn't realize that how, how much I would lean on him for certain advice about things until, until my my first year up up here and he was just, he was putting me on game. So I'm like, well, this is how you want to be. You want to be a great locker room guy. You know, you want to give your all on and off the field. And I was like, all right, well, this is how I should attack the locker room. Because when you approach the locker room is different. It's always in, in, interchanging. It's, it could be almost like musical chairs um, some years because you, you never know who's in and who's out. But he said, as long as you stay true and, and you be a great locker room guy, guys will always respect you for that. And that's what I... That's what I did. And, and that was some of the best advice I had.
0: Mm-hmm. And then how was your first camp? Cause obviously you said the jump from high school to college, like guys are just so much bigger and faster and stronger, but it's even an, it's another jump after college to the pros where guys are even bigger, faster and stronger than that. Like how was that adjustment for you coming into your first camp? Uh, the adjustment
1: from college to pros, it wasn't as bad as I thought. Um, especially because, uh, once once I got here I realized I had so much free time and I knew that I had one shot. When you had one one shot, I, I kinda threw everything. At. I I didn't have to worry about class anymore. I didn't have to worry about some type of social life. I was literally up here on my own with nothing else to do but play football. And when you give all your energy and effort towards that, it, it kinda makes things run a bit smoother. And um uh I I kinda I did pretty well my first camp. Um Then the first game came against Hamilton. And this was the test to show if I was really good enough to play up here or not. And that game, I had uh, a TFL and a sack and a a forced fumble and a couple other tackles. And after that game, I was like,
0: yeah, I'm good. I'm good enough to play here, and I'm going to keep playing. There's one specific play I wanted to ask you about your first season. You have a touchdown listed in your stat sheet from year one. What? How did? What, what position were you? Where you got a touchdown? I was defensive end.
1: Yeah, I was playing defensive end, and I remember it was against Hamilton uh, at their stadium. And okay. I think uh, me and the other, in the other defensive end, we we got into the backfield faster than usual. We we was back there fast, and he hit him the QB fumble, and all I could see was the end zone. And I grabbed the ball, and all me was running my mind I was like, "Don't fumble, don't fumble, don't fumble That's the one thing you cannot do right now is fumble. I grabbed the ball and i I ran into the into the end zone, and it was as glorifying as I ever dreamed of scoring a touchdown at least on the
0: on the defensive side of 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 the ball. That's awesome. I gotta ask with that what was your celebration then when you got your first pro touchdown? What was the first thing that came to you? Um, I want to just like, jump up and down and chair, but I was like,
1: Hey, hold your composure, hold your composure, do something cool, do something that's like, you know, you could put your stamp on. And I've kind of put my hands together. I did like a bow because of my martial arts background. I still love martial arts to this day. I'm like, I want people to know me for this bow. And from that point on, after any big player, his said, I can just
0: continue to do that celebration. That's cool. I didn't put those pieces together. The bow was because of martial arts. I think that's a really cool connection. I never actually knew that. Yeah, yeah. That's it came from. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's awesome. And talk to me about year two. That was the year that you guys went all the way to the Great Cup. How was year two for you, kind of adjusting into your sophomore season?
1: Uh, year two was a bit of a roller coaster because I started off pretty hot. I felt good um, first game. I came out and I was like, "Wow, I'm, pl- I'm playing some some good ball." The first couple of games, and um, unfortunately, that year midway through the season or well, earlier in the season, I had a, a slight tear in my uh, in my knee, and I, I banged my knee, my, my my knee a bit, and I was sidelined for a couple of weeks. But then uh, I did everything I could, you know, and changed my diet, worked out extra and uh more more therapy until I was able to play again and I was placed back into the lineup during during the playoffs and I was playing well again and, and into the playoffs. So see year year two was a bit of a of a roller coaster where I started off hot and then you know the worst thing, one one of the worst things that could happen as an athlete is you suffer an injury that could sideline you for a long period of time. And that happened but I never lost sight of the ultimate goal and I was, you know, one to get back healthy and two trying to make it to the Great Cup. And that ultimately happened.
0: Mm-hmm. Talk to me about the Great Cup. Obviously, it didn't go the way that you wanted it to, but how was your experience in a championship game at the pro level?
1: Oh man, well I I think anytime you head into a championship game, so this would have been my fifth, fifth football. Championship game, right? Uh, and anytime you enter, you kind of have a, di- a di- different mindset. You you're out there as if you are, aligning, looking to to capture, right? You you're doing everything possible so you can become a winner, to become victorious. And uh, going in there, I, I I tried to eliminate all distractions because that week it was a ton of distractions, right? Between Media and also the the field being what it was during that time, so um, I think the hardest thing during that time was definitely eliminating distractions. So, like your sole focus should could only be on the game itself. Mm
0: -hmm. And then your third year, obviously, again didn't go the way you wanted to from a team level, but you had a career year. Doubled, you nearly doubled your career high in tackles last year like talk to me from a personal perspective how your season went last year where you were just had like i said a career year at the pro level
1: oh yeah um last year i took a completely different approach if you think about it. i started from the off season and uh, as as crazy as it sounds i was watching like one of those motivational videos on youtube and it was like kobe bryant i think it was kobe bryant muse uh to show he, he had, and he talked about how he trained and he talked about um, training multiple times per day. So waking up early training at four, right. And then that going again, training again at eight, then again at 11, then again at, you know, six at night. So you have four training sessions in one day, right. Versus your opponent or whoever your competition is, they only training maybe once or twice a day. And if you put that work in, you know, the outcome will be what it is. All right. In your favor, that is. And I was like, wow, i want to try my best to take this approach. So I made a couple of phone calls and in the morning I was waking up at 5 AM and I was working out then I go back and I work out again at 10. Then I do like a, a, a small like stretch uh, session and a small workout around three. And then again at six, and I'm like, I have to keep this up. Like I, I feel my body changing. I feel, I feel myself becoming faster, more explosive and a better football player. And once that happened, that kind of gave me the confidence to go into the season like nothing could stop me. Like I won't let anything stop me. And with, with that confidence, it, it definitely paid paid off for, as you said, doubling and tackles. And I wanted more, though. Uh, I wasn't I wasn't satisfied at all. <laughs> I wasn't satisfied at all. But one, from a, a personal perspective and like from a team perspective, but uh, it just shows the proof that the the work you put in and the sacrifices that you make definitely pays off.
0: Mm-hmm. And then on a team perspective, three and fifteen, obviously not what you want. But were you able to kind of draw back on those tough seasons at Temple to kind of help you in inter- this season because like, it's something you'd gone through in the past?
1: Yeah. Well, the first thing, the, f- the first thing that you really want to do is understand that if anytime anything goes sour, you want the team to stay together, and you you want to have that camaraderie tight because you guys are going to be a brotherhood and you're going to go through roller coasters together. But one important thing to remember, you cannot let anyone fall off the ride. You have to stay afloat, right? You got to weather the storm. And the better you weather the storm, the better the outcome will be. So I think from a locker room perspective, I, I was a guy that, that tried to keep us together and not let people have individual mo- motives, even though that can be what it turns to when guys lose, when when the team is losing, and guys aren't reaching their individual goals. That understand that it's bigger than us. It's a team, and we have to do what's right for the team.
0: Mm-hmm. And after the season, you had a couple NFL tryouts, right? Like you went down south. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah I had a couple um, uh, after my second year. I had a few um, Detroit uh, Stellers. Um, Pittsburgh, San Diego, and a few more. And this year I had uh, Tampa Bay and uh, the Jets. Jets. And, um, yeah, so those workouts went well. They liked me, but I, I don't think I was the, the best fit for their scheme during the time. So, you know, I'm going to keep hope
0: alive and, and keep trying. But mm-hmm. you ended up resigning signing Ottawa for the season. Was that an easy decision for you to make? Were you tempted at all the test free agency, or did you want to stay in Ottawa?
1: Uh, I love Ottawa. Um, I, I love it here, and it was a, a place where I think I could definitely call a second home. Um, and I, I, I didn't really think too much about going in anywhere else because I knew that I had a great relationship with the front office. Um, and that they liked me back. So anytime you you have that connection, you don't want to burn any bridges, you know, for any amount of money because those relationships. They're they're priceless, and um, I understand that we had a, a, a coaching change. And I talked to Coach Lockleys, and he, he he spoke of good good things. And I I liked his principles that he was bringing with him, so it, that kind of made it a, a easier de- decision
0: for me. Mm-hmm. And we were talking before we started recording here, but we ended up staying in Ottawa for the off season this year. How come you made that decision to stick around the city and how did it go from a off season training perspective being in Ottawa for the full off season for the first time?
1: Yeah. Well, I realized during my time in the season, I never had, I never had much time to explore the, the city itself and I'm, I, I could be somewhat of an introvert sometimes, but I like to get out and have people know me and, and know others. As well, and me me getting out, I thought, well, one, me staying here. I could grow a, a relationship not only with the community, but knowing the the town itself, the city itself. And I think that's that's really what made me stay. Because I'm like, wow, I like this place. So I was curious. I wanted to know, to know more, and I thought that was a, a a great decision for me. And it'd be a first time that I'm that far away from home for this long uh, mm-hmm. stint. So it was a bit challenging but something I thought was necessary.
0: What are some things you discovered about the city? Like what did you do? like, touristy things like museums, winterlude, or anything like that? Like what did you get up to during the off season?
1: Yeah, uh I went ice skating for the first time in like twelve years, thirteen years. Like I once went, went once when I was a kid and I don't really remember So I'm thinking ice skating is like riding a bike, you know? You tie your skates up and you get back out there. Little did I know, you tie your skates up, and if you didn't ice skate for about 15 years, you're probably going to fall 20 times. And that's what happened. I fell about 20 times. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, um, that, uh, yeah, I visit multiple museums. That's something I would definitely do on the weekends. uh, besides that train and that that was it I, I definitely went to a Senators game as well uh, that was uh, my first non-Devils hockey game well non-Devils game that wasn't in Jersey because the Senators definitely played the New Jersey Devils and <laughs> Devils did win but you know
0: better yeah. luck <laughs> Does, has your family had the chance to come up and watch you play in Ottawa yet
1: yeah, yeah. So um, my dad, he he tries to make most of my games if it's anywhere on the East Coast. Um, so he, he flies up often. And my mom, she, she makes about one one game, one, one or two games a year.
0: That's awesome. I wanted to ask you about one specific person. And that person is Avery Williams. He's someone you played college with. And now you guys are playing pro together. How cool is that for you to have a fellow Temple Owl up here in the pros with you?
1: It's crazy because going back to my freshman year, Avery, he was one of my roommates as well. And I was like, oh, man, well, this, I'm like, yo, Avery, he's a cool dude. He seemed like a crazy linebacker, but, you know, I think he's one of the coolest people I know. And he's definitely a, a brother to me. So for him to come up, I think when he got the call and him, him making the decision, knowing that I was up here and knowing that he was coming, it was definitely gratifying to both of us and a easier Easier decision for him. And uh, mm-hmm. we came up here. I was like, yo, it's going to be like old times, man. We got to, you know, take, take take this bull by the horn and, and be like leaders here and really, you know, cause some destruction upon other teams. He agreed. And wow. <laughs> that's how I go. That's
0: awesome. And I was going to ask too, so like what is it about – temple because of all the guys on the team i want to say the guys that rep their alma mater the most might be you and avery like i think you guys rep temple more than anyone else reps their school what is it about temple that makes you guys just still so such big supporters of it Temple, it built
1: our character right like all those hard days those long nights um it kind of showed us who we are as men and that's something that we can't take for granted so we know that the only way we could truly pay back is by giving them as much rep as possible, right? As much recognition as possible. And it's tough like to, to be a, a, a temple owl, you have, you have to be tough. You gotta be one of the toughest people on the field. And that's something that we definitely embrace.
0: Mm-hmm. And I know you mentioned like martial arts is when you your interested as a kid growing up. What are some things you do away from the football field? Hmm. Well, I don't I don't practice martial arts
1: as much anymore. I still do time to time. Um, more more so my flows or is like uh they call it katas and a kata is like a series of of, of movements and in a pattern of striking, kicking, blocking. And I'll do it from time to time just to one, stay loose and have some type of body of awareness because those same tactics you could take that and you could use on the football field. So I would definitely do it do some uh somewhat like shadow boxing all right but like a a formal situation shadow boxing and uh i i still do that to to, to uh, excuse me to this day to um
0: sharpen up my skills is there anything else that you do like what are some of your interests that don't involve football
1: Interesting. Um uh, lately uh, maybe because of the quarantine i've been reading a ton a lot of reading um uh besides that Uh, Drawing, Uh, I do some drawing and and some painting. I'm not that good, but I'm I'm getting better day by day. (laughs) So anyone asking to see any artwork, uh, maybe when when I get better, I can show you some before and after pictures. But um, yeah, between reading and drawing and painting, um, I have my series of playing some Call of Duty and some 2K basketball, but those are pretty much my interests right now.
0: Mm -hmm. And I want to ask too, how often do you reflect on being that 19-year-old kid sitting in the doctor's office, thinking if you're not even sure if you'll ever play football again, to now today being a professional football player? Like, do you ever look back on that progression from where you were then to where you are now?
1: Yeah, all, all the time, especially when I'm faced with anything that's tough during the time. And it just shows that you know, you, if I stick by my principles or if I stick by, by my beliefs that I would overcome whatever that's heading in my way, I could overcome whatever obstacle that's come my way. Because that was probably one of the biggest obstacles in, in my life that I ever had to face, like one of the toughest decisions. And I would never thought I would have to make the, that decision at 19, right? But it happened. And I always think back, anytime I'm I'm not paying gratitude towards something or if I'm not thankful or if I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm not doing the right thing at the time. I think back to that time. It's like, listen, this thing could be taken from you at any moment. So this, this sport, this this gift could be taken from you at, in, at any moment. So, you know, go in there and give your, your full effort, whatever it may be. You know, there's times you may wake up at 6am and you don't want to work out. You don't want to do that extra rep, but when you think back to, to that time. You understand
0: that it's all worth it. Mm, that's awesome, man. And I want to thank you so much for taking the time to be on Red Blacks Unfiltered. I want to give you the floor. Let everyone know where they can find you on social media.
1: Hey guys, Avery Ellis. You can find me on either Twitter or Instagram at Avery Ellis52. 52. 52 was my college number. So yeah, Avery Ellis52. Um don't be afraid to like or shoot DM. I'm friendly. I will answer back. <laughs>
0: awesome dude i want to thank you once again for being on this podcast i want to thank everybody for listening whether you've listened the entire way through or you only listen to bits and pieces i really appreciate you taking time to check this out everyone do me a big favor go and follow avery on instagram and twitter i'll make sure everything's linked in the show notes down below and make sure you follow the red blacks on instagram at, at cfl red blacks and twitter at, at red blacks thank you once again for listening everybody we'll talk soon